Good evening, church. I love you. I'm so thankful for you. Thank you for taking time out of your busy week to be with us tonight, both in person and online. Um, I'm thankful to you. I'm thankful to all of the speakers that we've had this summer in our summer series. We're wrapping that up tonight with Brother Ronnie Fisher. I'm very thankful for Ronnie uh, making time for, to be with us tonight. This, I think, is the last thing standing between him and a Jamaican vacation. So he is, he is raring to go. He's ready to, to be on vacation, but he graciously... Uh, uh, he graciously agreed to be with us tonight and bring us the word. I'm so thankful uh, this summer that you've gotten to meet uh, some of my good preaching friends in this area and be encouraged by all of them, and I know you will be tonight. Ronnie Fisher, Jr. is the minister to the Simmons Street Church of Christ in Denton. He's been there since 2017. He's a 2017 graduate of the Brown Trail School of Preaching. He's married to Sister Laquita Fisher for 14 years, and they share six beautiful children together. Come preach the word to us, brother. Uh, it is so good to be with you on tonight. It has uh, been a privilege to uh, accept the invitation and excited to come and to share with such a great congregation and with such a great minister. Um, and I can call on him and he's accepted my invitation. And so I had no other choice but to accept his. Um, if you have your Bibles tonight, let's go to Acts chapter 8. Uh, Acts chapter 8, and meet me at verse 35. Uh, Acts chapter 8 and verse 35. I, had a, I got a lot to say tonight, but not that much time to say it, so y'all work with me on tonight. Acts chapter 8 uh, in verse 35. Uh, the Bible says, then Peter opened his mouth. And began at that same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. When we look at the background of Acts chapter 8, we, we know that the angel of the Lord comes to Philip and he tells Philip to go find the Ethiopian unit and his chariot. And so as Philip begins to go find him, we, we, we find that, that, they, they, that the Ethiopian unit was sitting there reading the scriptures of Isaiah. And, and, and Philip comes to him and asks the question, do you understand uh, what you are reading? And the Ethiopian eunuch says to Philip, how can one understand except one be sent to explain the scriptures? And so the Bible says that Philip begins to expound on the scriptures. But after he begins to expound on the scriptures and begins to tell him about the book of Isaiah, Philip turns around and begins to preach Jesus. Under the theme uh, that you guys are having here, an encouraging word, what better encouraging word than to preach about Jesus? Uh, so tonight I want to use for a subject, Jesus. How sweet his name is. How awesome and how wonderful the name of Jesus is. And so tonight it is my prayer that you are encouraged simply by this word, Jesus. When we look at this word Jesus, the first thing that we can recognize is the J. And for those that are taking notes, I want you to write this, justified. This word justified, it simply means to be declared uh, and righteous and found not guilty as charged. 
Jesus was charged to be guilty of something that he did not do. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 3, verses 23 through 24, for we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but we are justified through Christ Jesus our Lord. And what Paul was simply saying is that the reason why he's justified is because he is righteous and he has no sin. Well, preacher, how can you say that? Well, look with me in 1 Peter uh, chapter 2. 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, and I believe we want verse 21. 1 Peter uh, chapter 2 and verse 21. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 20, 21. The Bible says, for, in, for even unto that you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. Look at verse 22. Who did no sin, neither was God found in his mouth. This is the reason why Jesus is justified. He died on the cross as if he was guilty, but he yet committed no sins. But then, but then, but then we see, we see as we look at this word Jesus, we have the E. Write this down. The E is everlasting. Jesus is everlasting. This word simply means forever. Well, how can you say that about Jesus? Go with me to John chapter 1 and look with me in verse number 1. John chapter 1 and verse number 1. Uh, the Bible says here, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the same was in the beginning with God. Look at verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelled among men. Jesus was there in the beginning with God. Well, how do you know that? Because John tells us that in the beginning was the Word. But we also know that when we go back to the book of Genesis in chapter 2, God said, let us make men in our image. God was not talking to himself by using us. He said, let us make men. That means he was talking to somebody else. And so what we know from the scripture was that Jesus was there in the beginning. But then the Bible says that the word became flesh and dwelled among men. Now we understand he was there in the beginning uh, because the Bible tells us that. Now we're going to look at the middle time. He became flesh and dwelled among men. Jesus was born of Mary and of the Holy Spirit and Jesus comes into this world uh, and, and, and what he does is take 12 men in this 33 years of him being on the earth and he turns the world upside down. He was healing the lamb. He, uh, he, he was killing the blind. He turned water into wine. He, he, he did all sorts of things. He fed 5,000 by the seaside. He fed another 4,000 with five loaves and two fish. But he had and still what I'm trying to get us to see was that Jesus came in this middle time and he did his ministry. But then he turns around as he's getting ready to go back to the Father in John chapter 14 and starting at verse number one, we find the words to his apostles there. He said, let not your hearts be troubled. If you believe in God, believe all also in me, for in my Father's house are many mansions, and if it were not so, I wouldn't have told you. I go to prepare a place for you that where I am that you may also be. Let me pause for a commercial break real fast. What I came to tell you tonight is that heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. And are you prepared to go? 
Because Jesus says he's preparing a place that where he is, he wants you to be also. And then Thomas asks the question, Lord, how do we know the way? In verse number six, Jesus says that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father but except by me. Now, now Jesus is in the middle time. So we see him in the beginning where God is saying, let us make men in our image. But then we have that middle time where Jesus comes and he walks the earth and he's preparing the apostles for his return back to the Father. But then as he's getting ready to ascend back to the Father, look at Jesus' words in in Matthew chapter 28 and starting at verse 18. Matthew chapter 28 and starting at verse 18, the Bible says, And came Jesus and spake unto them, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things and whatsoever I commanded unto you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end. Do y'all see this? He said, I will be there in the end. Here's what I want you to do. I'm giving the authority to, to, and and what I want you to do in this thing is the authority that I'm giving to you is to teach, to baptize, and to teach. And if you do that, I will be with you all the way till the end. How do we know that? Because remember, he said, I'm going to prepare a place that where I am, that you may also be. And so we understand that the way, uh, we understand that uh, there's a point for a man to live, and after the death comes the judgment, and after the judgment, we will dwell with him. How long? For eternity. And so we understand the Bible says that he's going to come back for his children, and the dead in Christ shall rise and meet him in the air, and he will take us to his humble abode. So we see that our God, our Christ, rather, he's everlasting. He was there in the beginning. He was there in the middle time, and he will be with us in the end. So not only do we see that Christ is justified, we can see here that he's everlasting, but, but, but then we, 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 uh, we, we see the S, and the S for those that are taking notes, write down, he's the son of God. We can call Peter to the stand, call Peter to the stand because Peter testifies that he is the son of God. Look with me in Mark, uh, Matthew rather, chapter 16 in verse 13. Matthew chapter 16 in verse 13. The Bible says, and when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea and Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do men say that I the son of man am? Some say thou art John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others even Jeremiah, or just one of the prophets. Then saith him to them, but who do you say that I am? Verse 16, Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said, Blessed be Simon, son of our Jonah, for flesh and blood did not reveal this unto you, uh, but my Father which is in heaven. And upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Listen, listen, upon the confession that Peter made that you are the Christ, God said, or Christ rather said, I will build my church on that fact. That I am the son of God. 
It wasn't Peter. It was the confession that Peter made that you are the Christ. That's upon the foundation in which the church is built on because he is the son of God. Now, how encouraging it is that because Christ is the son of God and he's recognized as that, we have a place where we can come together and worship him in spirit and in truth. We have a place where we can come with like-minded individuals and defend and share the gospel and standing on the promises for Christ our Lord. Here's what I want to tell you, point number two tonight. Here's what I want to tell us. Here's what I want to tell us because he is our Christ. We got to get off the premises and waiting on the promises, but we got to get what we got to do is go tell other folks about the promises so that they can come to the premises. That's called evangelism. I thought I'd drop that on the way. Listen, 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 listen. But not only, not only does Peter, not only does Peter tell him that he is the Christ, the son of living God. But don't you know that Christ himself lets us know that that's his beloved son? Look with me in Acts chapter 17. I mean, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 17. Just go over a chapter. Matthew chapter 17. And look at verse number one. The Bible says in six days after Jesus had taken Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringing them unto a high mountain apart, and he was transfigurated before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment white as the light. And behold, there appeared Moses and Elijah talking with him. And then Peter said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If it be thy will, let us make here three tabernacles, one for Moses, one for Elijah. I mean, let me, let me start that over. Uh, uh, let us build here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Don't miss the context. Now, remember Peter standing here, and in this, and, and Peter standing here on the mountain, Jesus is standing there, and Peter is saying, now remember, remember, remember he told Peter, he told Peter, Peter, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. Now, now, now he tells Peter, I'm, Peter, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. Now, Peter, he's sitting there holding the keys to the kingdom. Now he's sitting up here talking about, can we build three churches? Can we build the church of Christ? Can we build the church of Moses? And can we build the church of Elijah? But the Bible says, but the Bible says, and while he yet spake, behold, a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice uh, uh, came out from the cloud and said, this is my beloved son, who I'm well pleased. Hear ye him. Well, what did he say? Six days ago, he told Peter and the rest of the apostles that I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it upon the premise that I am the Christ, the son of the living God. Remember, I told you that he's justified. He committed no sins. Let me tell you something. Uh, uh, Moses was great, but Moses had some sin. Elijah was great, but y'all know Elijah didn't even die. He was taken up. So therefore, he didn't qualify. Neither one of them qualified to do what Christ came to do. Only Christ was the one who was able to do what God had tasked him to do. So not only is he justified, not only 
is the everlasting. He is the Son of God. But then we see the you. Write this down. He's universal. He's like Visa. He's everywhere you need to be. He, he, he's, unif- he's universal. I came to tell you tonight that, that what I love about Christ is that he does not see color. What I love about Christ, he's not sexist. What I love about Christ was that he is equal to everybody. What he did for one, he did for all of us. How do you know that? Look at what the Bible says. Go with me to 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 2. 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 2. The Bible says, the Bible says, and he is the perpetuation for our sins. And not ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. Is that not universal? He's not just, he's just not Christ in Texas. He's just not Christ in Florida. He's just not Christ in Wisconsin. He's just not Christ in the United States. He is Christ everywhere. He died for the sins for you and me, but not just us in this building. He died for the sins of the world. So that makes him universal. The Bible says in John uh, chapter 8 and verse number 12 that he is the light of the world. His light shines everywhere. He's not just shining in Texas. His light should be shining everywhere. Africa, Egypt, uh, you name it, his light ought to be shining there. He's a Christ. He's a Savior for everybody. And so he came to shine the light, not just for the, the, the Jews, but also to the Greek. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. Paul says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it's not for the Jews only, but it's also to the Greek. Do you know what that means? Y'all know what, what the Greek is? It's everybody that's not a Jew. It's everybody that's not a Jew. So therefore, the gospel is for everybody. So he is universal. Look with me in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 26. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 26. The Bible says, for we are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you that have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither male or female. For we are all one in Christ Jesus. So Jesus is Universal. So he's justified. He's everlasting. He's the son of God, but he's also universal. And as we come to a close on tonight, you see that last S. And I want you to write there, the Savior in salvation. The Savior and he's our salvation. Salvation is simply defined as the deliverer or the deliverance of sin. And that's what Christ did for us. He came, bled, died, 
He was hung. He was spit on. He was beaten for us. He had to carry the cross. He was beaten and he didn't say a mumbling word because he had you in mind so that all of us in this building can be saved. I don't know about you, but I'm just encouraged just on the fact of what Jesus has done for me. Look at what the Bible says here. Look at what the Bible says here in Acts chapter 4. In verse number 12. Acts chapter 4. In verse number 12, the Bible says, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name given amongst men by whereby we can be saved. Only Jesus can save you. Doesn't matter what other folk have to say. If they don't have a book, a chapter, and a verse on what it takes to be saved, then why are you listening to it? Christ is our salvation. The only one that we ought to be listening to is the one that has the power to save you. That's it. There's all types of ideas on how to be saved, but here's my question tonight. In your idea, can you prove it by the Bible? And if you can't prove it by the Bible, you ought to shut your mouth. Because Christ is the authority. We see nowhere in the Bible where it tells you to say the sinner's prayer. Don't you find it funny that when you ask folks where the sinner prayer is, that they send you to several different places? Now here, here's the kicker. When they send you to Matthew chapter 6 and they say that's the sinner's prayer, didn't Jesus pray that prayer? Didn't we just read that Jesus never committed any sin? So how can that be the sinner's prayer? They send you to Psalms 23, and they say that that's David's prayer. But here's my question to you. How can that apply to us today if David was never a part of the church? Think about that. There is no sinner's prayer in the Bible. The Bible tells us what we must do in order to be saved is to repent, confess, and be baptized for the remission of sin, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in John chapter 3, when Jesus was having that conversation with Nicodemus, Jesus said, except the man be born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. Well, what does he say? What does he say in there? Nicodemus says, I'm too old to enter into my mother's womb a second time. But Jesus says that I'm talking about of the water and of the spirit. If you don't go in the water, you ain't got the spirit. And if you, if you, if you, if you don't have the spirit, if you have not been to the water. And so he is our salvation. Let me give you one more text to consider tonight in the lesson is yours. Go with me to Luke chapter 19 in verse number 10. Luke chapter 19 in verse number 10. Jesus says, for the son of man is come to do what? To seek and to save that which was lost. That's what he came to do. That's all that Jesus came to do. How, how encouraging is that to know that I was lost? But because of what Jesus has done for me, I can be found. Because of what Jesus has done for me, I, I was blind. But because of what Jesus has done for me, now I can see. That's what Jesus is tonight. 
And if there was any other word better than this, please tell me what it is. Because I don't think that we can find a more encouraging word tonight than the word Jesus. To look at who Jesus really is and what Jesus has really done for us. God bless you on tonight. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for your son who did not let the cup pass. That he thought about us so that we could have this opportunity to your tree of life. Lord, we thank you that you saw the foresight to say that I have to save my people even from themselves. Lord, we thank you for setting uh, a thought in our minds by giving us communion that we can remember upon every first day of the week what you and your son has sacrificed so that we can live and that we have something to look forward to even after this life is over. Lord, we can't say thank you enough for who you are. But Lord, we thank you for what you have done. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing right now. And Lord, we're thanking you for what you're about to do in our lives, if it be thy will. In the blessed name of Jesus, we pray this prayer. Amen.